On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to speak with Kate All, and she's the owner and founder of Simple Pin Media, a Pinterest management and marketing company. Through their work with over 700 Pinterest accounts, they take a data-driven approach to crafting a Pinterest strategy that aims to help their clients and students find their perfect person on Pinterest. Kate teaches thousands of people about Pinterest marketing through various speaking engagements and her podcast, The Simple Pin Podcast. But before we get to Kate's interview, I have to tell you all about Sweatcoin. It pays to walk. It's basically an app that you use so that you can get healthier and live on a healthier planet. And they achieve this by converting your steps into a currency to spend on cool products and services. And let me tell you, I actually have done this and I even got uh, pearl earrings, right? And, and they were sent to me. All I had to do is pay for shipping. It's just that's the way it is. But go to peppershock.com slash offers and select the Sweatcoin app link and then you get a treat from me and it pays to walk. And let me tell you, it is so awesome. And I get to count my steps and then get paid for it. It is so freaking cool. And now it's time for the marketing essentials moment, the basics that you need to help you build your brand and your bottom line. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of performing a competitive analysis in your marketplace, right? The first thing you're going to want to do is perform some research, gather research about all of your competitors, right? And how you can leverage that information to your advantage. So this proper research can help you make informed decisions and get accurate information that will support the credibility of your own company. And you can see how you differentiate, how you're different from them and what your unique selling proposition is compared to theirs. What's their pricing like, right? This research is sometimes hard to do, and sometimes you have those mystery shoppers, or maybe they list their pricing online. What is it that you can do to analyze the pricing that they have and what they use? Maybe a former client of theirs is now your client. Ask some questions. See what you can do to understand how they're charging and what they're charging for. Understand the market growth potential that you have based on knowing where your competitors are at. Identify what their weak points are. Maybe there's some things that you can identify as gaps that they have from your own brand that you can take advantage of. What are their marketing efforts? How are they putting themselves and placing themselves in the marketplace? What is it that they're doing differently than what you are? And where is the traffic coming from? What kind of keywords do they use? What kinds of numbers are they getting? And what kind of campaigns are they running that maybe you could do differently or better or different iterations of or, uh, you know, understand all of those things so that you can leverage that information and determine kind of the things that are positive about them and negative. What kind of things do you want to avoid in your company based on the feedback that they're getting? It can be very insightful to understand what kind of negative reviews they are getting because you want to avoid those things, right? You want to avoid what's negative and enhance what's positive. Do a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. What is it that makes your company strong as opposed to the competitor? What are your weaknesses that maybe they have strengths in that you could work on? What are the opportunities that you see and what are the threats that happen in your industry? Or are they a threat because they're taking your market share? And why is that? What's happening? Are you losing customers to them? Are you gaining customers from them? Are you acquiring those new customers? And how much is it costing you to acquire those customers from your competitors, right? And of course, you want to create 
create your own customer persona and understanding what your avatar or your uh, empathy map of your target audience and what is it about the audience that you can do to attract them to your product or service over your competitor. Those key differentiators are really important to understand because then you can make claims about those differentiators in a nice tactful way. Of course, no mudslinging here, but you can understand how you are different than what they are and what you can leverage versus what they can, right? And determining who your buyers are, or your potential buyers are, and how you can essentially, you know, persuade those buyers to come to you as opposed to the competition is going to help you get an edge over them. And of course, with this SWOT analysis, if you identified what their weaknesses are, and you can play to your strengths, maybe you have a stronger capability than what they do, what can you do to leverage that in your messaging and your marketing and all the things that you're doing to put that out there in the world, right? And then of course, what are those advantages that they have that you could then formulate a plan to make your advantages, but even better, right? Identify and detail what those are so that you can provide an honest and transparent analysis for growth and discuss it with your employees, discuss it with your vendors, discuss it with your already clients, existing clients, because sometimes you'll learn and you don't always know what you don't know, right? So thinking about what you can do to continue to get an edge over those competitions. And of course, the key thing here to remember is why you're doing this. What is it that you're wanting to get out of it? What goals do you have from doing this competitive analysis? Where are you going to go with this in the next two months, six months, 10 months? Maybe there's some goals that you can set because of the fact that you have reevaluated and again, doing it again, evaluating again over and over to continue to build your bottom line. All right. And now it's time for our interview with Kate. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Pepper Shock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today's guest, we have Kate All. Welcome to the show, Kate. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So Kate, let's tell our audience a little bit more about you and what you do and what got you to where you are now. Yeah. So I run a Pinterest marketing agency called Simple Pin Media. We only focus on Pinterest for our clients and our community. And I got started about eight years ago when I was helping a friend on her website and doing Facebook marketing. And it was the first time that we had moved into this place of seeing the Facebook algorithm change and all of that. And basically people are going, well, now where do I get traffic? I can't get it here from Facebook. So where else can I go? And so I started to figure out Pinterest at the same time, our family was super poor. And my friend, I was sitting at the kitchen table. She had watched a Pinterest webinar and she said, Hey, you should manage people's Pinterest pages. And I thought that's a stupid idea. No, one's going to go for that. But she was like, you don't have any money, so you should try it. So I actually got three beta clients and said, tell me everything that works. Tell me everything that doesn't work. And they were like, we love this. We never thought that Pinterest could be a marketing channel for us. And now it is. And that's amazing. So keep managing for us. They told their friends, they told more people, and there's a lot in between eight years ago and now, but that's essentially how I got started. 
Nice. Well, I love the journey that you go through in order to get there and to make those ideas happen. That's awesome. Thanks to your friend, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%. And she knew I was, I am risk averse. So she definitely <laughs> knew that I was not going to jump in with both feet, but we were living on food stamps. We were running out of unemployment. It was really that height of the recession. And I thought, well, I really do have nothing to lose because we're at rock bottom. So let's just try it. Oh, wow. Well, I'm glad that you've risen past that. And uh, so share with me some success stories. What have you done to really help people manage their Pinterest pages? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is helping people understand what Pinterest is and how it's different than all the other platforms out there. We categorize Pinterest as a search and discovery engine, not a social media. So people go there with the intent to find ideas or dreams. And for our clients, that has been a real aha moment because Instagram and TikTok and Facebook were so much this like put me out there. I want to interact. I got to talk to people. And the Pinterest user is very much an introvert. They're not interested in you. They're interested in the product that you have. So for our clients, that was very much a relief to say, oh, well, I can just share with them all the things that I have tips, tricks, whatever products, and they will go for it. And so for us, that's been the biggest success is helping clients see that they can harness this platform in a different way than others. So it's kind of like you have this multi-pronged approach to getting more people to your website. And for them, that's just been a huge success because they can utilize both Instagram and Pinterest, but get two different types of customers. And so when you think about the strategies that people are doing on all the other social medias, Pinterest, I mean, it seems like it's kind of an afterthought sometimes. Is that right? Do you think yes. that people just oh, don't think about it first off? 100%. It's always the thing where people will say to us, why would I use Pinterest? Like it's just for recipes or DIY. And what we forget is that Pinterest is like the great informer of purchases or people to take action but they do it with a longer lead time, three to six months. And so it's easy to see it as kind of the afterthought or the forgotten platform because you don't see the impacts. However, when people start using it and you go into their Google analytics, you can see that Google and Pinterest buy for number two, where something like Instagram or TikTok are way down on the list and nobody's actually coming to your website to learn more about you because those platforms they're, they're training you to stay in the platform. So because we're so trained with these other platforms, they just see Pinterest as confusing or overwhelming when actually it's way less time commitment than all the other platforms. Right. And I think I recently read somewhere and I, I, I forgive me because I can't remember where, but I think isn't Pinterest like the third largest search engine next to Google and YouTube? Is that right? Yep. It's number three. Exactly. It's where people go to search. They never search for brands, hardly ever. In fact, 97% of searches are unbranded, very similar to like YouTube or Google. Right. And, you know, for us, we use it like as a mood board when we want to do a new brand or create, you know, look and feel for our clients. And I mean, that's how we use it for the business. But people can do that for so many different things. I mean, what are what are the most common uses that people will get onto Pinterest for? Yeah. So for business or personal use? Well, let's go with both. Let's let's go business first and then personal. Okay. So business first, people are going to use it because they are 
want to showcase a digital product, a physical product, or their content creator. So content creator is probably number one because Pinterest users like to read more. They like to learn, they like to do. Think of somebody going on a trip. In fact, I just used Pinterest yesterday. I'm going to Maui in a couple of weeks and I was searching where to eat, what to do, all of these things. And then people save it to their boards. That's more of a personal use, but a business user who does travel, they're gonna showcase their lists and all the ways they can serve their end user who's going to eventually travel. The same applies, that same user habit or how you share with your users can apply to all the different niches. People are looking for healthcare or right now wellness is on the rise like crazy and budgeting and financial planning. So the Pinterest user is really going there to figure out how can this business solve my problem with the things that they have. Most often that goes through a blog or a content model, but products too as well, both digital and physical. When it comes to personal, the personal user on Pinterest really approaches the platform with an idea of how can I find what it is I am dreaming of or I want to take action on in three to six months? What are the things that can help me get better at my life, accomplish my bucket list items, or even products I've never discovered? And so we see this buyer's journey on Pinterest from, we call it here at Simple Pin, we have something called the, the Pinterest framework where it goes from inspire, inform, and decide. So the Pinterest user is very much in the inspiration phase. They just want to be delighted. Like, oh my word, I never thought of that before. It's so amazing. Pinterest is like this great originator of hacks, right? How to do these things that you never thought were possible. And then when we get to this inform stage, that's when the Pinterest user says, okay, I want to learn more. So I'm going to go to this person's website and then they'll make a decision when they're on the website. And so when um, you think of Pinterest advertising, I was just thinking, okay, you know, like you said, a lot of it's unbranded, but how can a business promote their posts or their pins? I guess it's, it's called pins, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, do you do that too? Do you do the advertising strategy and, and kind of what are some, I guess, best practices or things to think about if you were to spend money on Pinterest as a business? Yeah. So there's twofold. We call them organic and paid ads, which are called promoted pins or Pinterest ads. So on the organic side, the best practice really is you have to have a really great image on Pinterest, which they're vertical images with a two to three ratio. And that image is what people look at. It's the very first, uh, it's the doormat, the billboard advertising where people get hooked. So if you're going to work on branding and really start to create this where you're putting yourself out there on Pinterest, we tell people you want to have a really clear image, a really clear text overlay of three to four words, your logo, and maybe a call to action. So starting with that basis of your images is going to be number one. And then number two, Pinterest, because of the search that we just talked about, really revolves around keywords. And so people are going there and they're putting in those keywords into the search bar. So Pinterest has under every single image, what they call a pin description. So you want to complete that. That's a best practice in one to three sentences, natural sounding, because Pinterest will read it as the algorithm and go, oh, this is about gluten-free banana bread. We're going to show it to this person, Susie, who just searched gluten-free banana bread. 
And then the third is to be consistent on the platform. You don't have to pin a ton, but you should be daily contributing more new pins to the platform so that Pinterest knows that you're an active player there and that you're adding more around your topic. And this is how you kind of get this full circle branding by being a presence on there. And then eventually people will follow you, but that's really um, the basics of the best practices. So in, in incorporating Pinterest into your strategy, I mean, people sometimes repurpose, you know, they might make an, uh, a post for Facebook and then tweak it to make it Instagram. They might say, go to the link in my bio because you can't have links unless you have like 10,000 followers. And then on Twitter, you know, you have to have a shortened message. And then on, you know, all the different platforms, there's different ways to tweak it. How would you take maybe your existing strategy that you have for all the others? What would you do differently to adapt something that you would otherwise post on Facebook or any of these others to make it Pinterest ready, let's say. Yeah, great question. So I'll give you the workflow for what we do here at Simple Pin. So every single Wednesday, we have a podcast to go with that podcast. We have a blog post. We take that blog post. We have a Facebook image in there and we have a Pinterest image. So that's number one. You will need to create a separate image because Pinterest likes vertical, not square. And Instagram images are usually they could be a stock image or they could be something without text because people read on Instagram. So that's really the number one change. And then from there, you just need to incorporate pinning to Pinterest. A lot of scheduling tools that you use for Instagram will also have Pinterest scheduling like Planoly or Tailwind or Buffer. There's several out there. So really, if you were going to take your existing strategy, layer in a new image, we use Canva. So if you're already creating in Canva, create a new image, but add that text overlay that talks about what the post is, asks a question, could be even a little, a little bit clickbaity, and then make sure you pin that to Pinterest. And that's really it. If we're going to start basic right mm -hmm. away, it's just incorporating that element in. That seems pretty simple enough to resize the image and, and make it just Pinterest ready. I think that's a, a easy thing to do among everything else that you're doing. You may as well just yeah. add that in too and, and make that part of your process. I love that. Okay. So you said you use your podcast and then you turn it into a blog post and then you make Pinterest posts. So from the podcast, what are some things that you do? Do you take quotable moments? Do you use images of people? Like, give me some ideas of what you do from the podcast turning into a Pinterest post. Right. That's a great question. So let's today's podcast just went out is about 2022 Pinterest marketing predictions. So for me, when it comes to a Pinterest image, I'm not necessarily taking a quote from my podcast, but I'm pulling it in to maybe use that exact phrase on my image, 2022 Pinterest marketing predictions, or I could even say what's going to happen on Pinterest in 2022, learn more. And that would be on my image. And so that's really kind of the only way that we're adding in that later to try to get people to come to our website from Pinterest. But we don't, we have used images of guests before. We have tried to use like um, the wave play, like the quotes that you pull. Mm -hmm. Those haven't done so well because Pinterest users need more context. And so they start with this like, okay, what are you going to talk to me about? And if they're hit with a quote, it has to be a really, really good quote that gives context of who you are, what you do. And that's hard to do sometimes at a quote, whereas it makes more sense on Instagram because I've already chosen to follow this person who does a podcast. So I'm, I know what this quote means, 
but other people on Pinterest have no context. They're cold users where most of the others are warm. So then when you think of what you're going to pull in from a podcast, think of it as a person who's never heard your podcast before, and maybe just go with the title of the podcast instead of a pull quote. Gotcha. Gotcha. So we know that people love to see faces and they resonate with faces. Do you feel like Pinterest, we don't have to worry about as much imagery with faces as we do maybe with other platforms? You know, that has been a theory t- thrown around on Pinterest for years. Um, in fact, in some early documentation, they said, don't use faces, don't use faces. Hmm. But Pinterest is trying to come into this new age of social media marketing, which means there's more short form video, more um, stories, reels type of content, which is a little bit tough, right? Because Pinterest users aren't really primed for that. So they've added this element called idea pins. So these are fairly new within the last um, two years, I will say like 18 months, people have really adopted to them, but that is where we get more the faces and the personal connection, but it can't be like you would do a story on Instagram. It would be more you filming and saying, here's a step-by-step or here's my 2022 Pinterest marketing predictions, less about me, but more about the subject matter or how I can serve them. So that the faces I think are going to be more and more integrated. Um, and as Pinterest users adopt to that, I think that's what 2022 will present to us is are Pinterest users going to like this new format where they do see people more, or are they going to reject it? We just don't know yet. Aha. So that's another thing to consider in your strategy for 2022. I love it. Um, okay. So when thinking about how people kind of organize their boards and, you know, what are some of the common boards that you've seen that people use even personal or, or business? I mean, it seems like you, like you said, there's inspiration, but what are some common things that you see that uh, people can consider? Oh, I want to be on that board for that ideal customer. Mm, Yeah. So when it comes to board names, um, they're very much a part of the algorithm. So the board name, the board description, and then that pin description I talked about a minute ago, all tell the search algorithm what these particular groups in this board are about. So it has to be very, very laser focused. If you're going to be doing something like gluten-free breakfast recipes, as opposed to recipes, I love a business user always wants to be very targeted and very specific, not cute, not inspirational, really just basic. Whereas a personal user, they can name their boards, whatever. But when it comes to your business, you want to be thinking about what are the categories of things that I talk about that I can put my content on those particular boards for people to find it based on their search habits, because the algorithm knows exactly what it is that board is about and what's in there. So you want to think about the top 10 things that you cover um, and not go too wide. There was a lot of people on Pinterest a long time ago who would maybe talk about like home decor. And then they would also add a few boards about like beauty and healthcare and hair. We didn't do that anymore because that person isn't talking about those topics. They're only talking about DIY home decor. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So um, you said that kind of quotable moments, I mean, those from a podcast might be hard, but I also kind of think that 
that's a, a lot of what I see on Pinterest, right? Where people will take quotes and, and make images for them and, and use that. How successful or how, how do you see that as a part of the strategy? Is that something we should think about in our social media strategy on Pinterest? Yeah, such a great question. So memes, quotes, all those things are very popular on Pinterest for the personal user to save them for later, but they don't really take action with them. So if the intent is to get the user to move to your website, then you want to do something that leads a little bit more to want to read on your site. So something like an infographic, there are they have been popular on the past on Pinterest and they're still in circulation, but we would never use that as part of our strategy because all of our clients have a goal of getting more traffic to the website so that the end user will buy their product, sign up for their email list, or take action in following them and kind of joining their community. So something like a quote really just gets a save and that's pretty much it. They really don't take action beyond that. So it's a good supplementation, but I wouldn't necessarily see it as a main part of your strategy. Okay. So since we're on a marketing journey, I want to kind of flip this around a little bit and just talk about you and what you do to help you market your Pinterest business. Okay. So our number one that we use is Google. Um, that has been, since we started the podcast six years ago, we made a goal to make sure that all of our podcasts are turned into blog posts, not transcribed, but blog posts. And so we've heavily focused on SEO and really tried to build that up. So that's our number one traffic source. Number two is Pinterest. So Pinterest has always been a part of my strategy from day one. Cause I felt like if I wasn't doing it, that was going to be a little bit hard for me to understand how to do that for our Gotta walk the walk, right? Exactly. Walk walk. <laughs> exactly. So Pinterest has always been in the fold. So it's like Google Pinterest. They're kind of our mainstays and our top two traffic drivers. Last year, our big push was Instagram to get a little closer to our audience to build awareness. So we have a strategy on there where we do incorporate all the things like reels and stories and a lot of connection with our people over there in DMs. And then our next layer that we're adding in this year is YouTube to take all of our educational content, which we have so much of and repurpose that into YouTube videos. And truthfully, that feels very intimidating to me because you see so many people on YouTube with this fantastic production and it looks really amazing. And it's just been really difficult to embrace, but this year we're embracing it. And I forgot one in there, which is the podcast. So Google Pinterest podcasts are our top three and where we get new people into the ecosystem. And we see each one of them as very different. In fact, our podcast really brings in clients and then our Google, Pinterest, Instagram brings in our community members. We have two memberships. And so we look at them and how we talk very differently, because if we were to talk only about client work over on Instagram, those don't tend to convert into clients for us. They tend to convert into community members. So the messaging for us is very laser focused on those things. And of course we use email marketing is a huge one for us. We do a weekly Wednesday newsletter that I've done since day one when I started Simple Pin. And that has been such a good, um, I guess, Pinterest news brief, if you will, for people to keep informed. And we get a lot of good engagement on that too, as well. Excellent. Okay. So um, what are the demographics of Pinterest? I, I, I was just thinking, you know, guys use it too, right? Yeah, they do. In fact, I was joking with my brother over the weekend because he has a, he has a sawmill. So he builds, he normally does fence boards, but he builds things too. So he's always using Pinterest and I'm using Pinterest. And 
anyway, so yeah, they do use them more and more, especially in the contracting space. Um, every contractor I've ever worked with, they've always joked, we love Pinterest because every time someone opens Pinterest, it gets more expensive. And I was like, of course you do. Um, Yep. So the, the demographics are really interesting. So Pinterest had an explosion in 2020 of doubling their user base. And that was mostly global. So there's about 190, 100 million users in the US, but it's very rapidly expanding globally into different markets. They're pushed this year into South America. It is predominantly women, but men are definitely encroaching on that. So we're probably around 60, 40, maybe even still like 70, 30. And Pinterest is working really hard to create a super diverse community over there too, as well with a lot of its new marketing and the ways it's interacting with people. And I think that also has an impact too with how they're reaching globally. Yeah, I think um, I, 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 my husband's on Pinterest too. And, um, you know, of course we work in the business together, but um, I think I just remember one of the first things that he showed me was how to organize your garage. And there was all these pictures of... <laughs> Of like, you know, how, how some guy organized his garage. And I was like, this is wonderful. Now, does that yes. mean you're going to organize our garage? <laughs> I know. I was like, is that a message for you to organize it or him to organize it? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So I, I can definitely see the popularity in it as far as, you know, those types of uses where people can get ideas and, you know, projects and craft projects and, you know, all those types of things that people would want to explore and see what other people are doing and yeah. get those ideas for sure. Okay. So I want to know, where do you get your information from to continuously stay on top? Like you said, you, you know, made uh, predictions for 2022. How do you stay on top of what is happening? Like, are you, um, do you have like a Pinterest rep that you work with or are you like certified or, you know, people can get these certifications for all these different things. I'm just curious, how do you stay on top of it all? Yeah, that's a, such a great question. And it's evolved over the years. So I will say currently right now we do work with, uh, the Pinterest creators community right directly with people with Pinterest. Um, they're not necessarily certified, but ambassadors, if you will. So that's number one. And we're very active. They have a Pinterest business community for creators that's there. And number two, we subscribe to every news brief and Google alerts for Pinterest on my team. I actually have somebody who runs education each week because one of the biggest things for me, when I scaled my business and added more people to it, I have over 35 team members. The biggest thing was we needed to make sure that our team members were informed as well as me, and I couldn't spend as much time. So this education person gathers all the stuff that they need to share with the team. And then it goes out every Monday morning in what we call like our Pinterest education brief. We also stay up to date on their stock prices, how they're doing there. So all of this kind of gets funneled into our one main education location. And then we read it. I stay up with it each and every week and really just make sure that we are Pinterest immersed. We attend every webinar they do. We just chat. That's how we stay up to date, but it's definitely not just me. It's a full team effort. Wow. That's Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you mentioned your podcast. What's the name of your podcast? Simple pin podcast. That's, that's easy. <laughs> yeah. Just like your business, but, um, okay. So then people can subscribe to that and listen to it and I'm sure find it on every podcast platform, just like this one. Right. And do you, okay. Curiosity. 
because one of the things that, that we're working on is trying to figure out how to best monetize the podcast and mm. how would we, you know, monetize. Is that something that you do in your strategy or is it purely for education and information? Um, or have you dove into finding ways to monetize your podcast? Yeah, that's been a great question. An interesting struggle for us too, as well Is we have looked at monetization. We have looked at what does it look like to have sponsorships? And for us, we weighed the price and the amount that we could get from a sponsor with how much we could get for our own products. And what we found is if we've been super creative in promoting our memberships, which we have one for organic and one for paid, um, paid ads. So that actually resulted in more income for us than doing the sponsorship based on the current rates. So with that, we've kind of like set sail on that. Number two, we have looked at affiliate promotions. So people were affiliates with, but we actually find that the podcast doesn't result in much clicks on affiliate links. Our email newsletter does. So for us, the monetization actually happens in a different way where we really are intentional about surveying our audience, uh, what they're interested in. And then we also ask on all of our forms for people who become clients, how they heard about us. And it's predominantly the podcast. So that's how we figured out our monetization strategy is our services and getting people there. Now, if we didn't have that, I think the number one thing that I would do is get them towards an email list and then do most of my selling there, which we also do. Um, but I have, I have often listened to a lot of other people's podcasts and thought, wow, I wonder how much they're getting paid for these sponsorships. I wonder, blah, blah, blah. And it just hasn't really rounded out for us financially to make the decision to do that instead of keeping them in our own ecosystem with our own products. That makes sense. Yep. I know. And we, we do have some affiliate links too. And I hear you there and we get, you know, a little bit here and there and, and some things, but yeah, I mean, we've kind of tried to weigh out the options of what that would look like. And would that be something that we would want to go down and how people do it? And I've, you know, been kind of researching it to see how others do it. So that's why I was curious to see what you guys did too. And what that yeah. made, you know, how that made sense. So Okay, cool. So I have a couple of more questions for you. What's the one thing that you wish you would have known when you first started doing this that you've now come to know that you, sh you feel like others should know before they get started with this? That is a great question. I think it really has to do with my personality and how I'm wired. I'm so competitive. And I think one of the things I wish I would have known is that the online marketing industry, the target always moves and it always changes and it's always adapting. And it's just this fluid thing that you can't like, say like my marketing is in like the newspaper stamp we're done. Right. But with online marketing, there's so many different options. So I think I just wish I would have like toned down my competitiveness just a little bit. And a phrase that I often tell myself is don't chase someone else's success, because that's what I think I got caught up in early on instead of really figuring out who is Kate's voice. How does Kate serve her community and how do I make sure that I'm staying true to that instead of looking at someone else and going, Oh, I want that. And that was a trap that I fell into probably year three and four of just reading other people's income reports and hearing them talk about how much they made. And I just felt so competitive against that, that it, in fact, I forgot who I was serving. And so that would be my biggest thing 
that I would want somebody to know is figure out how you're wired, which personality I took the Colby test. I've taken the Enneagram. I've done a lot of that work to figure out, oh, this is how I'm wired. And this is maybe how somebody else is. And I just know my triggers and it's, I have to unfollow a lot of people. I have to put a lot of strong guardrails around making sure I focus. In fact, I have a sticky note on my computer I'm looking at right now. And it's the question, like, who do you serve? And I serve my clients, my customers, my community, and not other influencers. And that just has to be a daily reminder for me. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Oh, wait. So, so you said Colby, I've done the Enneagram. I've done the disc assessment the strength finders, but tell me more about the Colby test. I need to learn about that. This was actually one of the most fascinating tests I took about three or four years ago. So it's called the Colby K O L B E. And it rates you on, um, I'm trying, I'm sure there's like fancy words that people would say like, this is what the Colby is, but, um, fact finder, quick start, um, implementer. And then, um, there's another one I'm forgetting it, but it's based on four numbers. So it shows like, are you a high fact finder? Are you a high researcher? Do you take a lot of time to gather information before you make a decision? Or are you a quick start? You don't need a lot of information. You take action really quickly. In fact, you get really frustrated with people who ask a lot of questions and who are <laughs> fact finders. Um, and there's, that would be me. <laughs> yeah, there's, and there's follow through. That's the other one. Follow through. How high is your follow through? Do you follow through? really heavily on things that you make decisions on, or do you have low follow through an implementer is like spatial? Like, how do you need to see things before you implement? That's how I interpret it. And I I know that one, I haven't met too many people that have that implementer thing. It doesn't, it's not like an integrator implementer. Like we think of it, it's different. And so it's rated on one to 10. So like my numbers would be seven, seven, three, three. So I'm very high fact finder, very high follow through. I'm a low quick start, low implementer. So I'm get very frustrated with people who I've partnered with in the past who skip over details. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I cannot function if I don't know this detail. And they're like, it's fine. It's fine. We'll just do it. We'll just do it. And I'm like, <gasps> I can't. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the Colby has actually been super helpful with my parenting too, as well. Cause my son is a high fact finder. He asks a lot of questions and I do too. And my husband, it drives him nuts, but for <laughs> me, it doesn't drive me nuts. Cause I understand what a fact finder is doing. Mm-hmm. And so on my team too, as well, I can identify who is a quick start and who's a fact finder and the quick starts on my team. I have to be like, Hey, are you, I need to ask you this question. I know you want to run with it, but are you sure this is the right decision? And I need to ask that as a fact finder. And then they can come back to me and say like, well, I mean, it sounds good. I'm like, well, it's not a good enough answer. So, um, the Colby it's like $47, but it, it really helped me in like who I work with in business. It was, it was a great one. I'll have to check into it for sure. Thanks for sharing. I love those different personality and kind of, you know, who you are, how you communicate and all of those things are good to know about, you know, each, each person and how you can try to get along with people and work with them and collaborate with them and all of those things for sure. For sure. And, and, you know, to your point, my husband is kind of the opposite of me in that way too. Right. (laughs) And so it works well because then you kind of balance each other out. Right. (laughs) Yes, you you do. Cause if there were both fact finders and both like they would just, they would never do anything. They would just be like, we have to get more information yeah. we have to get more information. <laughs> Analysis paralysis. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> 
Well, Kate, thank you so much for all of this wonderful wealth of information you've shared. And I'm definitely going to subscribe to your podcast and uh, maybe even your newsletter. And because um, we do we do some Pinterest and we've just recently had uh, one of our clients really want to explore Pinterest more. They have a mall and so they have lots of different um, retail retailers inside the mall. And we do all of the advertising for the mall itself. And so I'm uh, excited to figure out how best we can can, you know, tackle this with them and make it most effective and what we can do and how we can go about it. So definitely high on the interest in Pinterest. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we're here for you and everybody anytime. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll have to check out. So you said you have an organic membership and a paid membership. Uh, Share a little bit more about that with me so I can understand and, and for our listeners. Yeah. So we have what we call the simple pin collective. That's our organic Pinterest marketing membership. And we decided to teach it in a membership model because a course was just too hard. It was too fluid. Things changed too much. So inside our organic membership, we have what we call a learning library. That's where you'll find all the course material. And then we have a community where I coach twice a month. We go deep into troubleshooting questions, what's changing on Pinterest, what's happening. And we try to bring experts into that help equip people to make Pinterest a part of their business marketing strategy, but not the whole. We're very clear on saying Pinterest is just one spoke on the bicycle. It's not the whole thing. So we try to make it very easy for people to implement over the month. So that's our simple pin collective. And then we have our simple pin ad society. That is where we teach people how to use Pinterest ads and how to leverage them for their business. It's a little bit different where we have the basics of how to get an ad set up, but that changes like every other Tuesday. So we do a lot of workshops and we do some hot seats where people can see us troubleshoot someone's ad campaign because sometimes watching people do it, you get the most learning from it. Mm -hmm. So that also has a community forum to it to help people really utilize Pinterest ads because they are so different than Facebook ads. They're just completely apples to oranges. So we help people make that leap and Pinterest ads are a little bit more expensive. So actually our ad society membership is one of our cheaper memberships at $47 a month because we want to make sure that people have enough buffer to be able to experiment longer term with their Pinterest ads. It takes about six to eight weeks to really test a Pinterest ad where Mm-hmm. on Facebook, it takes like, you know, a couple of days. Right? right. So we wanted to make those very distinct. Cause we know there's people who do organic Pinterest marketing who will never wade into the water of ads. So we wanted to keep them separate so that people could really hyper-focus on one over the other. Gotcha. You know, I have a question for you. When you started to create these communities and, and your societies, how did you go about doing it? Did you make a Facebook group or what was kind of the, what did you do? How did you make it yeah. happen? So actually I had a Facebook group from the beginning of my business that was free for a long time. And and this is crazy, but it got to 20,000 members and we closed it because it was so, I know it sounds crazy, but it was so all consuming. It was so difficult to really, um, to teach the way we wanted to teach. So when it came to, we had had a course for a couple of years and we became so frustrated with it. And I was like, I do not want to teach Pinterest in a course model anymore because it's a one-time payment. Oftentimes people will take a course or they'll sign up for it and it sits in their inbox forever. I really Uh, want people who are action takers, (laughs) right? I I have a ton of them. I'm guilty. I have a hundred courses probably. Um, so we decided then to shut that main course down, take a year, reevaluate. And I had some other friends who ran members 
memberships. And so initially we like just self-hosted on our website, all of our content and used a Facebook group. And we switched from self-hosting to Kajabi where we had a forum and a Facebook group. But the great part about the collective, which was our flagship membership is we learned a lot. And so when we started our society a year ago, I said, we're not doing a Facebook group because a lot of people are leaving Facebook. And oftentimes in Facebook groups, what can happen is people stay there and they only ask questions, but they don't dig for content. And so we put the society just in Kajabi and all the content there is all the forums there. And we found that actually people, when they go to a forum, their questions are more intentional and they've dug a little harder for the answer first. And so we intentionally didn't have a Facebook group for that, but we do have one for the collective. We don't have one for the society. And then we've just now it's experimentation. I feel like I'll be honest with that. Like it's a lot of troubleshooting. So we decided to do open close cart with the society first. Um, the collective was open all the time. And then just this last year, we decided to close the collective and again, go to an open close cart model, which allowed us to invest even better in our students and not be focusing on the hamster wheel of like getting people in all the time. What do you, what do you mean by open and closed cart? What does that mean? Yeah. So open and closed cart would be like a certain time of year. So March it opens for a week and then it closes. So if anybody wants to get into the collective, they have to wait for those timeframes mm. and the same with the society, whereas the collective the open, like join anytime was all the time. You could just join whenever. So it felt like the door was just revolving all the time, which felt a little bit exhausting. So now the open closed cart model for us is three times a year. We open the society for a week and two times a year. We open the collective for a week. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And then you can be prepared for it and then have everyone come at once. And then they're getting coaching all at the same time, almost. And you're you're ongoing with them. That's great. I love it. And, and I love that you are so willing to share and, you know, give this wonderful knowledge. And I hope that something comes from this and people listening will look you up and, you know, come and, and use your services because of it. That's why I love to do this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so good. In fact, it's sometimes that's the best way that you learn is just by listening to a conversation with another person or two people having a conversation. And I just love sharing information because I love when people share it and I get to glean from it and learn, that's how we learn in this space. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Kate. I really, really appreciate all that you've given us today and go ahead and, and say how people can get a hold of you or reach out to you or find you. And, and that way we can get your information out there too. Yeah. Go to simplepinmedia.com. And then on Instagram, I'm at simplepinmedia. I'm actually at simplepinmedia on all channels. So if you want to go to our Pinterest account and see things that we're testing, pinterest.com slash simplepinmedia. Perfect. All right. Any last uh, words of wisdom, Kate? Anything else that I didn't ask you that you were just dying to tell us about? No, I think you're excellent question asker. So great job. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Well, you're an excellent question answerer. (laughs) I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much. And for those of you listening, the best thing that you can do for both of us and for everyone that has been a part of this marketing journey, share this out with those that you know that need to hear what Kate had to say and subscribe and do all the things. Give us a recommendation. And uh, we love all of those things for us. It helps everyone um, get the the message out there. And uh, everyone, until next time, enjoy the journey. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.